welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Glory to God. Man, I love the feeling in your church and uh, uh, such kindness, such mercy. And I love the expectation of radical demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. Why in the world would we come to the end of the church age and not expect the best? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We might as well just stretch. And I love how heaven, that's a heavenly thing to have you ready for that stuff, uh, for, for Jesus to appear and demonstrations like that. You know, over the years, uh, being in the circles you're in, you see different things happening through other people. And it's always to accelerate the church. It wasn't just to have giggles or have a great service, which I like good services, but it was to get people born again. Just like in the book of Acts, when angels appeared, you can see those two things happen. People got set free or got saved. So it's not about uh, weird stuff. It's about uh, the anticipation of God accelerating things like He did in the book of Acts. And I believe He said, if we'd hunger and thirst, we'll be filled. So if we're hungering for that, guess what? You're going to have that in operation. Isn't that wonderful? And he, He's going to have you, have you have words of wisdom. You'll see things happen before they happen. You'll act them out. It's easy to obey God when you've already seen it. Praise the Lord. So there's lots of things getting ready to happen. I believe we'll, we'll finish with a bang, finish and go out in glory. And uh, it's amazing that He raised you up for that. Think about your life, where you could have been. You could have somewhere someone prayed for all of us and we're in church on Sunday night. I mean, think about how blessed we are that you know all kinds of people that, that aren't on fire for God, but you are. So in the midst of the climate where people have a tendency to be too busy, you're, you're firsthand going, man, the Jesus is about to come back. Let's get all we can get. Hallelujah. And do the different things about your church and your pastors. I know there's uh, uh, wild things getting ready to happen. Every time I think about it, it's hard to articulate. I mean, there's sometimes you can step over into a river and you can just prophesy it. And it's hard for me to articulate unless it's there. But it's so unusual and so different and so strange, it's hard to even qualify it or quantify it because it's all these different groups that your heart has desired for. And it's God's place those in there and he, he he doesn't place it in there if it's not available so so there's some wonderful things coming for the church just extreme not extreme weird just cool Hallelujah. God's always got wonderful things to do. You know, He's so good. I, I was up in Boston, Massachusetts at Jonathan Del Turco's a couple years ago. And a lady walks up to me. She goes, hey, you remember praying uh, uh, for me, or not for me, but for these people in Concord, New Hampshire, 25 years ago. He, she said, I had a word of knowledge for fingernails. I said, no, I don't remember. And uh, <laughs> uh, But she said about 15 people came down. And she was afraid to come down. This was new to her. And I understand that. So she didn't come down. But about 10 or 12, maybe 15 people came down and I said, you know what, I'm going to pray for you guys, but you're still someone I'm looking for. You're not the one I'm looking for. You don't have words of knowledge like that, you'll know. And so I said, okay, I'll pray for you guys all in faith, but uh, the one I'm looking for is not here. So this lady's telling me this in the lobby of the, hotel, of the church there at Jonathan Del Turco's. She said she didn't have a nail on her ring finger. But, and she didn't go down. So two days later, she goes, Lord, I'm sorry I didn't go down. I'll take that. And right then, her fingernail grew in on her finger. That night, her boyfriend asked her to marry her and put a ring on her finger. So God loves you so much. He wants when you can get engaged to even have uh, your nail there. I'm preaching in her church in two weeks. She's pastoring a church with her husband in Lyconia, New Hampshire. God's just radical. He's totally radical. I mean, if you got into all, all the stuff, how, how kind he is like that, it's just, it, it's amazing. I remember I was in Ladisville, Italy, right outside of Rome. I was preaching in There was a fire conference. People had come from Sweden and Norway, kind of the northern parts of Europe. I had a word of knowledge that someone had cancer. 
And uh, about 10 or 12 people came down for that as well. And I was kind of surprised, you know. And there was a little girl there about 12 years old. And as I got to her, they came over and told me, said, she has really bad cancer but doesn't really understand it all. I said, that's okay. So I have an Italian interpreter. <laughs> and uh, I'm standing there and I said, I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. And the, the, the parents looked at me like, that's it? That's all you're going to do? And so I started getting frustrated. I said, I told my interpreter, tell them. I said, she's healed in that name. So hang with me. When I'm standing in front of that little girl, I'm not thinking about how long I've been in the ministry. I'm not thinking about where I went to Bible school. I'm thinking about a name that's given unto me that it doesn't negotiate with cancer. It eradicates cancer. Come on. His name means miracle. Divine intervention in the ordinary course of nature. A suspension of the accustomed order. When I say Jesus, I'm saying miracle. So I could tell they were frustrated because I wasn't kind of flamboyant enough. I'd gone, if I'd gone, whoa, you're healed. they go, oh man, he's flowing. But no, just because I said she's healed, that's all. The parents were mad. They walked back to their seat and wouldn't sit down. So I told my interpreter, I screamed, tell them I said she's healed in that name. Because the only Italian I know, I even told Pastor John today, yo tengo fami, andi amo I'm hungry, let's go eat a lot. <laughs> so that doesn't work right there. So... So I, I, I just hammered into him that she's healed in that name. I flew back from Italy back to America. I didn't know the little girl had cancer all through her brain. They'd given her two weeks to live. That's why the parents wanted something a little more, more boisterous. They took her back to the doctor. The doctor did an x-ray on her head said the cancer's gone from her head. So he, he, he is the same. He is the same. He is the same. He has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on. And, and we get to be a part of this last day revival. How cool is this? Right before the catching away of the saints. So let's pick up. Let's do about five minutes of review. And then we'll get into a couple of things as we dive uh, wholeheartedly into the millennium tonight. I don't get to preach on it a lot. Uh, but let's go to Luke 21. And we're going to cover a lot of territory tonight, so let's buckle up. And then we will go through a lot of verses, so it may be laborious at some point to go, gosh, verse after verse after verse. But it's okay. It won't harm us. It'll, it'll do us good to get, uh, because the verses will preach to us exactly what the Bible says. And that's good for all of us, because we can say, Joe didn't come up with that. The Bible says that. You know, preaching in the Bible schools overseas, the Germans go, now, Joe, you said so-and-so. No, 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 I didn't say so-and-so. The Bible says so-and-so. I can't be bold unless i got Scripture and verse. And I like that. It needs to, for it to be scriptural, it needs to be in the Bible. Bible. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So let's pray and we'll get right into the Word. Father, we thank You for these days that we live, Lord. These, these times of operations of the Holy Ghost. Distributions of the Spirit of the living God. Holy Spirit, we thank You for divine help. Help us see Jesus as we ought. Help, help us see Him high and lifted up with this train filling the temple. We focus on You, Lord, that death could not hold You down. That You overcame death, hell, and the grave. And Lord, help us implement. Help us demonstrate, help us show forth the resurrection of the King, King Jesus. So Lord, every household represented here tonight, Lord, I thank you for a wonderful season of the glory of the Lord in their homes, great peace in their homes, and a great articulation to what their destiny is. That Father, we would accelerate, we'd pick up the, the mantles of old and walk with you, Lord, say, where is the Lord God of Smith Wigglesworth? And we'd say, where is the Lord God of John G. Lake? Well, he's our God, and he's here tonight. So Lord, we thank you for this this time that we have with you, that we've set apart to be around your word, that you'd be magnified, you'd be glorified, and you would be honored. So Lord, we thank you for your assistance, and we thank you for your help. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said, Amen. amen. All right, let's go back to Luke 21. We'll just go about five minutes into that, and then we'll get, get rocking into the next thing. So uh, let me just tell you this before we go to Luke 21. I was in Tucson, Arizona years ago, 1989 or 90, and uh, uh, 
<laughs> I said this out loud because the Lord was showing me that the, the next, next thing will be reality TV. And <laughs> back then there was no reality TV. <laughs> so I said, what's the most popular reality TV show? Well, this is 1989 or 1990. And this guy yells out, Baywatch. I go, that's not reality TV. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, like 2,000 people there and the guy goes, Baywatch. I'm like, no. <laughs> so, so, so I began to talk about God showing up and showing us things that are demonstrating the resurrection. And uh, I started talking about A.A. Allen, started talking about the baby that was in A.A. Allen's meeting in Birmingham, Alabama. Had no arms, no legs. Had uh, a little hole for nose, a little hole for mouth, no eyes. And uh, Brother Shambach was working for him. And uh, the lady had brought her baby there. And, and Allen ended up praying for the baby. Brother Shambach said, I normally close my eyes when I pray. He said, but I wasn't going to miss that miracle. He said, right in front of his eyes, the legs grew out. and said, said it sounded like wood. Snap, snap, snap. Arms grew out. The baby was recreated right there in front of everybody. I mean, that's amazing that, that the work of Satan is eradicated just like that. So everyone's rejoicing. Well, they looked over at the stretcher section, and there's about three or 400 people on the stretchers in this tent. Every single person on the stretchers got healed instantly. I mean, they're excited about the baby. Then they get excited about the stretchers. And then there was a busload of blind people that were late to get into the meeting because this is midway through his service. Uh, the baby gets healed. The stretcher section gets healed. Every single person off the bus full of blind people walked in the tent, got instantly got their sight. So that, amazing as that is, this man walks up to me, because I'm talking about that, he walks up to me after the service and he goes, Hi, I'm A.A. Allen's son. I said, well, I'm Billy Graham. Nice to meet you. Because I'm, so I'm so used to people playing jokes on me. I don't, I don't think this guy's actually A.A. Allen's son. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm serious. So I just I thought, yeah, whatever. He goes, no, no, I'm A.A. Allen's son. I go, okay. I forgot A.A. Allen had moved to Miracle Valley. This was in Tucson, Arizona. Listen to what he said. He said, those miracles were great for my dad's day. He said, but I see a day where believers are functioning like those healing revivalists did in the 50s. So that's why God's raised you up. He wants to use you. Think about that. Think of being used like A. Allen or Jack Coe or William Branham or, or Raymond T. Ritchie, where Raymond T. Ritchie had so many miracles in Tulsa, they had to haul, wheelchairs, they had to haul away the wheelchairs on flatbed trucks. Have you ever been to a meeting when they had to back up flatbed trucks and haul wheelchairs away? That's, that's, that's pretty radical. So, so that's why we're catching up on all this stuff about how close we are so that we have the mentality to go forward. So we don't draw back. Because you can see people, I got, I got friends, they don't hardly believe in miracles anymore. And I'm like, come on, what's wrong with you? There is no going back. We, we press forward. Hallelujah. So all this information is to get us to accelerate because we're about to see the king. So why not get everything we can have? Hallelujah. So go to Luke 21. Grab your Bibles there. Go to Luke. And we'll go to verse 24. Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem will be trodden down to the Gentiles or nations until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So we talked about it this morning. When you see Jerusalem on back, Jesus goes, okay, time's up there. So with that, he gets even more detailed with verse 29. He goes in verse 29, look at the fig tree, that's the nation of Israel, and all the trees. When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. So likewise, when you see these things, and what's he talking about there? Seeing Jerusalem won back and Israel made a nation. When you see these things, no. These things, no. So I want us to hammer on that word for a moment. No. He's telling us these things so that we can know something. Not sense, not perceive, not guess or hope. Because I've heard people go, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. He's telling you this so you can know when He's coming back. Amen. 
<laughs> that goes over real good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. All right. Start the car. I'll be right there. Come on. No, you can really feel pushback when you talk about knowing when the Lord's coming back because tradition has told us you can't know that. But God put more verses in here to show us what it would look like so we would know what's coming ahead when He's coming. So He says, I'm telling you this so you'll, you'll know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. And then He says in verse 32, Verily I say unto you, this generation, what generation? The one that sees Israel made a nation and Jerusalem went back. That generation will not pass away to all is fulfilled. So we talked about it this morning. We won't go too far. But so you got the you got Israel made a nation, Jerusalem went back, you got the language restored, Hebrew language restored, you got the Ethiopian Jews brought back, you got the fertility of the land of Israel, you got the revival of the Roman Empire, you got the Temple Mount Institute, you got predatory birds, you got fish in the Dead Sea, you got foxes on the Temple Mount. You got the, the ritual baths around the Temple Mount filling up with water. I mean, you got Rabbi Ixakaduri prophesying there'd be two Benjamins ruling Israel right before the coming of, of the Messiah. You got last week <laughs> Russia rebuilding the arch in Palmyra, Syria, where uh, Baal worship started. And the, uh, the Talmud says that just before the coming of the Messiah, that would happen. Happened last week. So you got, I mean, it's like how much stuff, my thinking is how many signs you need for you go, hmm, something might be up. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, really? Because, I mean, you tell people everything, they're like, really? You think he's coming? Do I think he's coming? No, I don't think he's coming. I know he's coming. So not just those two, you got, you got sign after sign after sign after sign after sign. I know the Lord had to have it overkill because we'd have a tendency to analyze it and go, is it really the end times? Well, then you had a pandemic for, for this last time. You had, we got into earlier this morning about Matthew 24. You had earthquakes in divers' place. What's the most seismic activity location on the planet? Guess. We think it'd be the Ring of Fire in Indonesia. There are a lot of earthquakes out there. You think it'd be Iceland? Because Iceland a couple weeks ago had 30,000 earthquakes in one week. But that doesn't even top the chart. Guess where the number one earthquake place is in the world? Oklahoma. So listen to not where the wind comes sweeping down the plane, where the earthquakes come sweeping down the plane. So something's up, something's up. And then we, you, I'm so glad you brought up asteroids because I don't talk about asteroids a lot, but there's there's all this information about asteroids right now. Why? Because there's so many of them coming, at, and they see it after the fact. Now that that shouldn't freak us out. Preaching in the Ukraine, I'm preaching on what's coming in the Book of Revelation, and I said the word wormwood is going to be an asteroid that's going to hit. You were talking about this morning. It'll make a third of the waters radioactive, and everybody gasped when I said wormwood. I said, what's the deal about Wormwood? You know what that word means? Chernobyl. Anybody remember what, you know, what happened at Chernobyl? Well, see, so, so their Bible preaches to them there's going to be an asteroid hit that's going to do this. So this last week in Spain, you had an asteroid come so close to the earth that for a full minute they watched a ball of fire go past them wow. right by Madrid. So it's all happening right in front of our eyes. So we're so privileged and so blessed. Then you had the signals. You had the blood red moons. You had the Bethlehem star. Uh, you had Mercury do a flyby of the sun. <laughs> it went down directly over the Temple Mount at sundown. The coordinates of the Temple Mount, not the coordinates in Louisiana, not the coordinates in uh, Florida, but uh, the Temple Mount, flawless. The planets formed a sickle. The moon formed a sickle. Orion changed his instrument to hammer. He said, hammer and sickle on that one day. What's that mean? That's Russia's symbol. And so you got Russia doing stuff this last week that's crazy. Uh, they've been doing stuff for almost about two years where they turn their transponders off on their airplanes so it won't show where they are. So they're being very provocative about starting a war. So we're, we're watching the setup for what happens after we leave. 
So that should really preach to us. We don't have a lot of time left. Shouldn't be scary. It shouldn't be weird. You know, like someone this morning was concerned about the, the you know the end times freaks them out. I said it this morning. I've had I've got several pastors ask me to come and said they dreaded me coming because they didn't want to hear about end times. And and I'll preach on whatever. But they said the, they said the Lord told them to have me do end times, and they were happy. They said, "Man, I feel light. I'm happy." The whole purpose of it is to bring you joy. Yes. Your strength will be tied to your joy. Your strength's not tied to knowledge. I like knowledge, but your strength is tied to your joy. So if you're going to accelerate in a race, uh, you, you need some radical joy. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. So there's all this stuff happening right now. If you got into all of it, it's just overwhelming uh, the stuff that's going on that points to the coming of the Lord. So we're privileged. But I want to skip over and get into a little bit more tonight. I want to hit for a couple minutes on the second coming because we'll see some things that are happening at the second coming that set you up for who you'll be overseeing during the millennial reign of Christ. So remember, uh, we didn't talk about the rapture at all on this trip. I did last trip, but we're, we're about to be caught up just like Enoch was raptured, Elijah was raptured. Uh, Jesus was raptured. The church will be raptured. Uh, the, the, the great multitude will be raptured during the tribulation. The two witnesses will be raptured. So there's raptures all through the Bible. And you can look at uh, uh, in the Old Covenant when Lot, the angels went down in there to, to get Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah. The angel said, I can't do anything here until I get you out. So the whole purpose of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 was, hey, God's not appointed you to wrath. So he talks about the rapture of the church to bring what? Comfort. The rapture of the church for what? Comfort. No, showing you that you don't have to be here during the tribulation. I hear a lot of people go, well, you've got to be, in the, you gotta be here during the trib to purify you. No, the blood of Jesus purifies you. If going through hell purified us, we'd be super pure. Come on. The blood is, is what purifies you. Notice all those doctrines downplay how powerful the blood of Jesus is. So all that's happening right now, which you can just feel it, is all of a sudden the sun is about to be honored as he should. The first time he came, he was spit upon, mocked, humiliated. Wow. But this time the sun's going to be honored as he should. Nature's going to fold back. The galaxies are going to fold back. The sun's not going to give her light. And all of a sudden the brightest light that the world's ever seen. The Bible says there's no need for the sun. It doesn't say there isn't a sun, but there's no need for it because of the glory of God in Jesus' face. And all of a sudden at that second coming, you're going to be right there on white horses coming back to the earth. And every being's going to hit their knees. <laughs> Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So you're watching the earth get ready for the entrance of the King. And we, we talk about the rapture of the church because it's segmented out because the church age was a mystery. The rapture was a mystery. But man, when you get into the second coming, you get to see all the stuff about the scripture saying, you talk about pomp, you talk about circumstance, you talk about, it's so radical. The Bible says the mountains will break apart at the entrance of the king. The Bible says there's an earthquake in Israel and the temple is going to go up a couple hundred feet. It's going to form a perfect cross right there. And the water is going to come from the Dead Sea and go right by the throne of Jesus. And as it gets close to him, there's so much light in him it quickens all the waters in the earth see he's not near you he's in you <laughs> Amen. So, so this is what the earth's getting ready for. So we're going to talk tonight a little bit about the second coming and then get to the millennium. Because when we see what our function is during that thousand years, it makes you kind of really realize what's been going on the last 30 years to get us ready for that because we're getting ready to reign. Hallelujah. So grab your Bibles and you just turn wherever you think you ought to turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Praise the Lord. Here we go. Go, go to Matthew 24 and we'll see if we're flowing here. So go to Matthew 24. 
And uh, in the Bible, there's in the Old Covenant, there's so many depictions of the second coming. Wonderful ones. I mean, Joel said, sound an alarm, wake everybody up. My favorites are probably in Zechariah 13 and 14 because it's super uh, descriptive. It even says that the second coming, uh, people's eyes are melting out of their sockets. Remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? Remember that? And it's exactly like that. That's what it says. Zechariah 14 shows us what's going to happen. Malachi gives you a different picture of it. He said he's coming back with healing in his wings. So then you had John the Baptist come on the scene and uh, woke up a dead nation. No one speaking for God for, for 400 years. John comes on the scene. Jesus said he was a burning and a shining light. <laughs> they told John, are you a prophet? He said, no. They said, are you the prophet? He said, no, I'm a voice. A voice of one crying in the wilderness. And Jesus said there hadn't been a greater prophet since him or ever was or ever will be. But the least in the kingdom of God has got more anointing than John the Baptist. So you have more grace on you tonight to wake up the nation than John had. He woke up a dead nation, yet he did no miracle. Hmm. I think I'll do Elvis right there. Here we go. I feel, I feel Elvis coming on me. <laughs> so people go, we, we think, well, if we had miracles, we could shake America. John woke up a dead nation just because he was a voice. I like what John Wesley said, let God set you on fire. People will come watch you burn. You don't have to advertise the fire. I have it on my book table. I don't know where I am, but wherever the book table is, I have a fire pack that's guaranteed to set you on fire. And it's even got matches in there, so if the message doesn't get you, you can set yourself on fire. Thank you. All right, so let's look at this second coming. Here we go. Go to Matthew 24. Let's look at Jesus' words himself that makes it really, really clear. So look at Matthew 24, verse 27. For as the lightning comes out of the east, this is chapter 24, verse 27. As the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So it's going to be dramatic. I've never been around lightning striking and just kind of thought, hmm, that was cool. No, it got my attention, you know. Uh, I was in a house in Virginia preaching and lightning struck at this tree literally 15 feet from me. I mean, the a hair on my head shot up like that and I'm like, this is weird. I mean, it almost caught me on fire and I was in another building from where the lightning was. So it got my attention. So that's what Jesus said it's going to be like. going to be like lightning. So then go down a little further. He says in verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then all the tribes of the earth are mourn, and they'll see the Son of Man coming in the great clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. So in the verse 31 it says, He'll send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet. They'll gather together His elect from the four winds of the earth, from one end of the other, of heaven. Now this is something that happens right here in Matthew 24. It's the opposite of the rapture. So I want to make this super clear. At the rapture of the church, we go up to meet Jesus in the air. Okay? Then the tribulation happens for seven years. And what's getting ready to happen here is, at the second coming of the Lord, the wicked are taken off the earth. Okay? Remember Jesus said, I'll let the wheat grow with the tares. And at the end of the age, the angels will be the reapers. So he's gonna, this is what he's going to get to for here in just a minute. So it's the opposite of the rapture. At the rapture, the church goes up to meet Jesus in the air. At the second coming, we bodily come back down with him to the earth on white horses. And he'll get to that here in just a minute. So let's look a little further. Run with me just a little bit. He says in verse 37... 
But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Boy, you could say that a couple thousand times. I mean, the climate right now, corruption and violence. So Jesus is comparing the climate right before the second coming. Now this is, this is at the end of the tribulation, after you've had seven years of water turning to blood, asteroids, all, locusts, all kinds of weird stuff. There are a lot of the same miracles that Moses had with Pharaoh to change Pharaoh's heart. The tribulation period is just because people's hearts are so hardened, he's trying to get their attention so they won't go to hell forever. Amen? So it's a time of uh, uh, fireworks. You know, remember for when I was here last time, I talked about it in high school when I was dating girls. Uh, on every single date, I'd try to pull over the same spot, go to my trunk, get fireworks out, and I'd shoot fireworks off. So I'd say, you can't say you didn't go out with me and didn't see fireworks. <laughs> That's kind of pathetic, but anyway. <laughs> um, here, God's going to have seven years of that. So at the end of that seven years, look at even the climate at the end of the seven years. You've got people still wanting to have life as usual. So watch what he says here. It's pretty amazing. He says in verse 38, For as the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, till the day that Noah entered in the ark, knew not till the flood came, took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two shall be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. That's not the rapture, that's the second coming. Okay, what's amazing is, is you got 50% of the population saved by then. Half of the people are plucked off the earth. Half don't get saved, the other half get born again. Now what's amazing is for Germany, they have 3% saved in Germany right now. France has 1% of 1% saved. Norway has 2%. So they're going to have a 49% revival. I mean, thank God for that. So we think of the, you know, the tribulation is bad, but half of the population, just like Jesus when he's on the cross, uh, one thief got saved, the other thief did not. So you see that exact percentage right here. So these are d days of great change. Kind of, kind of crazy that, that after seven years of signs, half the population gives their life to the Lord. The Bible says it's innumerable. It can number what we're talking about today. You can number a 200 million man army, but you can't number the people that get saved by the second coming. So uh, we, we're going to have our harvest in the church, but a lot of the harvest that most people are feeling is really after we leave. That's just not that popular to say that, but we, uh, you don't have to manipulate people to obey God. You can give people truth and they'll obey God. We're promised double of what the book of Acts was, so I'm in. Amen. And I believe we're going to have a time where we were talking about the other night. I believe uh, Pastor John will take you to take the service from 7 to 9. You take it 9 to 11. You take it 11 to 1. You take it 1 to 3. You take it 3 to 5. What are you going to preach on in that two hours? So, come on. Now, get you. <laughs> so you better get ready. Amen. Because I believe right before the rapture of the church, we're going to be having church 24 hours a day. I believe you open that door up over there. People will hop out of their car. You have a conveyor belt and you run them through here. Pastor John lays hands on them and you get them to a new members class. And it's just, there's just stuff happening. It's just accelerated to the point of wild because the king's coming back. All right, so look what happens here at the second coming. Go over to chapter 25. Let's get a little closer to the millennium. We're getting closer because I want you to see who you're going to be overseeing. So look at chapter 25, verse 31. Chapter 25, verse 31. And when the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then He shall sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He'll separate them one from another, as the shepherd divides His sheep from the goats. What this is, is He's going to judge nations on how they treated His brethren, Israel, during that seven-year period. So this is called the sheep and goat judgment, okay? So hang with me. He says here, watch how normal the Lord is about this. He set the sheep on His right hand, the goat 
goats on his left, in verse 34, And then shall the king say unto them that are on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So he wants the natural people to enjoy going into the millennium with this natural kingdom, because that's how Adam and Eve were before they fell. He, the God's plan didn't get changed, it just got interrupted. So we'll notice here in a little bit things are going to go back and go back and go back to how they were before the fall. So at the second coming, he lets those righteous-bodied natural people enter into the millennial reign of Christ. Now hang with me. When they have children, and the children reach the age of accountability, that's who you'll be preaching to. You'll go, there's Jesus right there. You need to get saved. And that's what we're going to get to is our function during the millennium. Because you're not done at the rapture. I was, I was saying it a while ago. I was getting there. So many people go, well, I have so much in my heart. I don't want the Lord to come back. It's because you're going to live forever. We're tasting of the powers of the world to come. We'll get into all that later, but we have a wonderful thousand years ahead. Even we'll get into what happens after that, but God's getting us ready to, to reign, getting us ready to oversee. So it's wonderful that we, we trust His Word. Think about it. In the ages to come, He'll show forth His goodness and His kindness to those that first trusted in Him. We trusted in Him when we couldn't see Him. They'll be able to see Him and some people will reject Him. So we'll get to that here in a minute. Let's go a little further. It's crazy. All right, so grab your Bibles. You with me there? Go over to Revelation. We'll look at Revelation chapter 19. We're getting closer to the millennium because the millennium happens after the second coming. So go to Revelation 19, and we'll look at a couple more verses before we step into the millennium. Glory to God. So hang with me. It's a lot of stuff, but we're going to get there. Hallelujah. Amen. How many are still glad you came tonight? How many are glad you're here and you're not in jail? Come on. First of all. <laughs> All right, here we go. Good, good, good. It's good to be in church. All right. All right, Revelation 19, watch what he says here. You know these verses so well, but they're so good. He says in verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are with him in heaven, that's us, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that he smite the nations. And he'll rule them with a rod of iron. Remember that. He'll rule these nations with a rod of iron. That means that there's people in those nations that are going to rebel. That's why Jesus is going to have you helping him oversee them. Okay? Because they're natural people. That natural people have a tendency to make mistakes. Not any of us in this room, but those natural people coming. Amen? Okay. So he says here, out of his mouth uh, goes a sharp sword that he smite the nations. He'll rule with them with a rod of iron. He, he treads the winepress in the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings. And Lord of Lords. So you talk about a dramatic event, man. There's every movie you see where the hero comes in at the end comes from right there. Where Jesus is going to come back and stop war. I hear people say the world's coming to an end. No, it's never coming to an end. Jesus is going to come back and, and save the planet right there. That's why movies that have the hero that comes in like that, there's a tie to it because there's something about it because that's exactly what Jesus is going to do. 
The Bible says that Lucifer, you know, midway through the trip, he's going to enter into the temple and say he's God. There's going to be a radical uh-oh moment for the Jews. But then Lucifer is going to be incarnate in a man for three and a half years, 42 months, just like Jesus was for three and a half years. <laughs> Jesus went about doing good, healing all that oppressed the devil, for God was with him. Lucifer is going to try to kill every person on the planet in his three and a half years. But what I love, the Bible says at the second coming, it's there in 2 Thessalonians, Jesus obliterates him with the brightness of his coming. No negotiation. That's what you carry in you every room you walk into. That same spirit, that same glory. You have this treasure in earthen vessels. Come on. We call it a burden removing, yoke destroying anointing. It's not a burden removing, yoke destroying anointing. It's a kingdom setting up anointing. We've misquoted that. Isaiah 11, he's talking about the Antichrist will be removed from his shoulders like, the, like over his neck. It's talking about the Lucifer is going to try to hurt the Jews. And all of a sudden Jesus is going to come right there and rescue them and remove that burden from off their shoulder. Ooh, he'll obliterate him with the brightness of his coming. How cool is that? Won't that be cool that we're right there with him? You think about your future. Think of how cool that's going to be. That's going to be a memory you'll have forever. I was right there, man, when Lucifer was moving around going, yikes, here it comes. You bet here it comes. <laughs> We'll all be going, how close were you? How close, where were you in the, in the peripheral of, of all that? I want to be right there, man. I want, to be, I want to see that look on the devil's face when he's about to get it. Because Jesus already defeated him in hell 2,000 years ago. And this is it right here. Wow. Obliterated. So watch what happens right after that. You see the millennial reign of Christ. Look at Revelation 20. You see the start of it. So what happens at the beginning of the millennium, right after this happens at the second coming, it says in chapter 20, And I saw an angel come down from heaven. I love this. One angel. Not a legion. Not a team. One. One angel is going to bind him. I love this. Having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, he laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, Satan, bound him a thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. Then after that he must be loose for a little season. I know what I'm going to do if, I, if the Lord will allow me to. I'm going to go over by there and I'm going to sing to him. How you doing, pit dweller? I got a few songs that will come up right out of my heart just to mess with him. I might even get a little violin and play it for him. How you doing in the bottom of that pit? Man, I'm, I'm going to beg the Lord to let me help torment him. Pit dweller. Wow. Anybody that think they could be like the Most High, I'll ascend and be like him. No, you won't. Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Instantaneous. So here's this millennial reign of Christ. It's called a millennium means thousands. We have a thousand years of natural time that <laughs> the Jews will be the head of all nations in Israel. Wow. Nations will rise up. It'll be a wonderful natural thousand years. The curse is lifted off the earth. I mean, it'll be Jesus on Fox, Jesus on MSNBC, <laughs> Jesus on, on CNN. It'll be, it'll be Jesus in the morning, Jesus at noontime. It'll be Jesus all the time. I mean, the afternoon won't have Ellen and Dr. Oz on. I bet the Apostle Paul will have his own show. He'll interview Pastor John and Pastor Carl. They'll go, he'll go, what was it like, Pastor, right before the coming of the Lord? And you'll go, well, you took your letters, Paul. We strengthened the church with your letters. And all of a sudden, the angels will go, glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. So it's going to be the knowledge of the Lord. Lord is going to go all over the earth. So let's get into some of this because it'll be a wonderful thousand years. And I say this because there's such misrepresentation about it. We have this tendency to think that we're going to be playing harps for a thousand years. <laughs> if that was true, we'd be in harp class right now. 
I mean, isn't it just like the devil to make people think it's going to be boring and stupid and weird? No. Uh, the Lord had me say this in Nebraska a few years ago. Tell them they've never seen a roller coaster till you see one during the millennium. You say, really? really? Yes, really. I have so much fun. I mean, I love being on roller coasters. And you know why the Lord would want to do that? Because He likes seeing how much fun we have. It's He's not weird. He's normal. Look at his taste level. Come on. He, he likes you to enjoy your life. So let's get into this. It's a lot different than what we think. We have this bizarre thought pattern that it's just worship and everybody's floating around and your robes are all like this. No, 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 no. All right, go back to Isaiah. Let's go back and look at this. Here we go. Let's start the millennium. I won't go too long, but I want to get all this into you. So, man, we've got to get rocking. Isaiah chapter 11. Chapter 10. Pick out a chapter. Isaiah chapter 10 or 11. We'll see. <laughs> Isaiah 11, sorry. All right, so, so watch what happens right here. How nature's altered the minute the Prince of Peace comes back to the earth. Man, don't we want to magnify Him. Amen? So watch what happens here in verse 4, verse four of Isaiah 11. Did you get to Isaiah 11, verse 4? He says, But with righteousness he'll judge the poor, and he'll reprove with, reprove with equity the meek of the earth. He'll smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he'll slay the wicked. That's out at the second coming. See, it's, it just shows you how cool it is. Verse 5, Righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the, with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. I mean, it's going to be kind of weird you go to the park and there's a kid with a lion on a leash. I mean, hey, here we go. I mean, I mean, it may take a while for you to think, well, is that a dachshund? No, it's a lion. Well, I mean, that's kind of weird to have a kid have a pet lion like that, but that's what you're going to have. Nature's changed to where, to where you don't see the influence of Lucifer during this thousand years of Jesus' reign. Go a, little, go a little further. He says in the, verse 7, the cow and the bear will feed, the young ones will lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the suckling child shall play on the hole of the ass. The winged child shall put his hand on the cock in. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So it's going to be an absolutely wonderful thousand years. So let's look at it a little bit more. Let's look at nature. Go over to Isaiah 25 or 26. Or Isaiah 30. <laughs> Isaiah 30. <laughs> It's just way too many verses, but it, it depicts it better than I can quote it. So uh, it's too much to try to get. So look at Isaiah 30, verse 26. Watch how nature changes once the millennium starts. Look at we were, chapter 30, verse 26. Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun... And the light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days in the day that the Lord binds up the breach of His people and heals the stroke of their wounds. So it's going to be kind of radical. Nighttime is going to be like our day right now. And daytime will be seven times brighter. Won't that be amazing uh, uh, to see photosynthesis is in, involved, I'm sure. So oxygen-rich environment. People are living to be a thousand years old. Now, you're in glorified bodies overseeing these natural people. But you know what? I believe we're going to be, be able to do this. I, my desire is, uh, I believe what I'm going to do first part I can, I'm going to go to St. Andrews and play golf at St. Andrews. I'm going to be translated to Augusta and play golf. Then I'm going to be translated to Pebble Beach and play golf. Then I'm going to be translated to Hawaii and play golf. Then I'm going to be translated like, back to St. Andrews and play golf. I'm going to play golf 24 hours a day because it'll never get dark and I'll never get tired. 
how cool is that going to be? I mean, how many, how, how many of you, you know, when you, you may have played football, you go to football practice and you're toast. You came home after football practice. We played football after football practice. And then when it got dark, we'd go play under the, the street light and play kill the man with a ball. Because we wanted to keep playing after it. So it's never going to get dark. How cool is that? You're never going to get tired. And it's never going to get dark. So it's going to be a really, really cool thousand years. So it, it, it's a setup for, for man to make choices for the Lord without the devil being here to even tempt them. So it's going to be interesting to see. We'll get into more of that. But let's go look at, let's go look at church. Want to be interesting to see what church is like? Let's go there. Go, now this is easy to find. Zechariah is just before Malachi. Remember Malachi from tithing? We know how to get there. So go to Malachi and back up. Go back to Zechariah and he'll show us church. Zechariah, I say that and I can't find you. <laughs> Zechariah, this is so clear. You should read homework tonight, chapter 13 and chapter 14. Just gives you so much information, it's amazing. But look at Zechariah 14, let's look at church. And this starts getting our job clearer. And we'll get to that here in a little bit, but in just a couple minutes we'll get to it. But this starts showing us what the environment is like on the earth. Uh, Zechariah 14, look at verse 16. And it shall come to pass, if you read all the verses up to this, it's all about the second coming. So in verse 16, he shows you what happens right there. It shall come to pass of everyone that's left of all the nations which came up against Jerusalem. So there's going to be people alive that make it through that latter part, that go into the millennial reign. So he says here, all those people, they're going to go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whosoever will not go up of all the families of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up, they'll come not, they'll have no rain. Watch this. There will be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So with Jesus physically reigning from Jerusalem, people will go, it's not worth it to go to church. Now we get frustrated now. Uh, uh, you know, let's come hear the Word. You need the Word. Now what's cool, cool about this is, I need Word every day. I, I, I watch stuff on YouTube. I'm praying in tongues. I'm constantly feeding myself because I live in an environment of darkness. So you, you have to bombard your spirit with truth, right? But Jesus is so powerful, they only have to go be with Him once a year and it sustains them for the entire year. You remember on the road to Maus, they said, Did not our hearts burn within us the words that He spoke to us? His words are spirit, and they are life. I like that book, Richard Sigmund, about heaven. He had gotten killed in a car wreck, and his evangelist, and he's up in heaven talking to the Lord, you know, came back alive in his body in a morgue. And uh, he, he asked Jesus, what part of my body am I going to feel first? Jesus said, nobody's really ever asked me that. Don't you love that? <laughs> and uh, uh, he's up in heaven, and he, and he all of a sudden saw a sunrise. He hadn't even thought about it. Well, the sun's coming up in heaven. And, and all of a sudden, it was Jesus walking up over the hill. It wasn't the sun. It was Jesus. The only way we, we can equate what we have coming is how radiant the sun is. So here you have people that can see Jesus and still reject Him. With you implementing the kingdom all over the earth. And that's what we'll get to next. Your whole job is going to be, if you're faithful over so much, you rule over two cities or you rule over ten cities. Okay, right now, in this present dispensation, you have, the devil has a, a sphere of, of, of kind of a setup of authority because Adam gave it to him. You have principalities, powers, rulers, 
of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in heavenly places. So apparently uh, he's copied what God's going to have for the millennium. You're going to rule over a certain region. Paul said, why would you take something to court? Know you not you're going to judge or rule angels? So see, you have a lot, <laughs> a lot coming for what your life is. You're a king of kings. I mean, think about it. He's a king of kings. You're a king that you're going to have lordship over all these people. And you're going to, have to, you're going to deal so kindly with them because you knew what it was like during this age. You knew how much hell people went through. So you'll, you'll go, you know what? Everything's going to be cool. Somebody will make a stupid mistake and you'll be able to help them because you're the church. So let's, let's get to it, though, for a minute. Let's go through a little bit more because I'm almost to what I, I want to land on. That takes just a second. Go back to Isaiah. Because we don't hear a lot of teaching on this, so let's get into it just a little bit before we close. I want you to get Isaiah 61, and then we'll get to the radical part. Because the radical part, when we start looking at what we'll be doing, super, super exciting. But let me give you a couple little bit more morsels, and then we'll get to the, the, the last part. Look at Isaiah 60. It's page 831 if you've got a Bible like mine. You have wonderful things to look forward to. Wonderful things. Look at Isaiah 60. Look at verse 21. Thy people also shall all be righteous, and they'll inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, a small one, a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten at my time. So you're going to have a, a people growing their own nation to a thousand. It'll just be prosperity, be blessing. I know I like that Pastor John likes to talk about the technology. I think probably the best thing you can look at is Back to the Future 2, the second one, and look at how the the cars are flying and there's I think we'll have all of that something William Branham said years ago you can't hunger for something that's not available the technology is going to be off the charts because you're going to have a thousand years of unlimited information coming from the king of kings but the Lord's so cool he wants man to rebuild the earth so watch this watch what he says in chapter 61 see we get we take pride from rebuilding things so natural man is going to rebuild the earth watch what he says chapter 61 verse 4 and they'll build up the waste places and they'll raise up the former desolations and they'll repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations what's that mean what was devastating during the tribulation period, God's going to let man rebuild those cities. And like I preach in Russia, you go into an apartment in Russia where they put you, you know, and you're walking down the hallway, and, and you go, how come people went to the bathroom in the hallway? Because their house is right there. They could just go in their house. I go, that's not the, peop that's not the animals, that's, that's the people. I thought it was the animals going to the bathroom in the hallway. It wasn't the animals, it was the humans. Because they don't own anything. That's what communism does. You don't own anything, so you don't take care of anything. So I know what Russia's going to do the first hundred years of the millennium. They're going to have a super soaker filled with Clorox. <laughs> and they're going to be spraying down their apartment buildings to get it ready for the millennial reign of Christ. So look, I used to think the Lord's going to come in kind of like, did you ever see the, movie, the show Bewitched doing the 70s, you know? She'd come in and twinkle her nose and everything's changed. Uh, he's not going to do it like that. He's going to let man rebuild things because man feels takes pride in using his hands. So let's get to the part that I take all of this time to get to. And this is the part right now. Go over to Isaiah 65. Because this is where the crazy stuff gets in about our job. And we'll land on it for a couple minutes. Okay, Isaiah 65. This is going to show us here in a second what we're doing. Isaiah 65, look at verse 20. Isaiah 65, verse 20. There shall be no more than an infant of days, nor an old man that has not fulfilled his days. For a child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. Well, there's a lot said right there, and we'll back up to it. He said, they'll build up the houses, they'll inhabit them, they'll plant vineyards, and they'll eat the fruit of them. 
So he's talking about what it's going to be like. So you have a natural bodied saint that basically at 100 years old, if they were to die, they're not going to be subject to death like the natural person is. The natural saint, that's not the natural person that's not a saint, I mean, an unbeliever, it says that he dies at 100 years old, he goes to hell, he's accursed. Indicating that the natural body saint won't be subject to death. Why? Because you'll be raising people up. What you'll have during that time is, let's say, uh, you, you have a guy come in to change the light bulb right up here on the top of the building here. He, and this is during the millennium. This is a natural body saint, not sinner, natural body saint. He's up there on the top of the ladder. He slips and falls and breaks his neck. You walk right through the wall. You've already seen it in a vision. That's called a word of wisdom. You walk over to him and go, dude, it's a good thing you live during the millennium. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Because it's in you to raise people up. That's why you're frustrated right now. Because you're not getting the full potential of what you'll be doing that entire thousand years. Okay? See, you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. You'll have a guy on a motorcycle. You know, we used to ride motorcycles and we had to jump out where the, where the pits were. And we would mark on the trees how high we jumped. And they were marked with t-shirts uh, filled with blood. We had so many wrecks. And I'd go back with my motorcycle and my dad would go, why are your shocks busted again? I'd go, who knows? We were jumping way higher than we were supposed to jump. And, uh, but I never thought one time, why don't we flip upside down? That never entered our mind. That's insane. Now, they take their bikes and they flip upside down and hold on to the back of their seat. Well, maybe you have a guy during the millennium. He does that. He's a natural body saint. He takes a flip like that, flips over and breaks his neck. You've translated from wherever you are. You walk over to him and say, dude, it's a good thing you live right now. Rise, take up your bed and walk. You'll be raising people up and implementing the kingdom of God all over the natural earth. That's why we're learning so much now because you're not done. That whole thousand years, that's what you'll be doing. Now, now hang with me just a little bit. Everybody with me for a minute? He gets quiet when you get into all that. <laughs> That's okay. One of the years, uh, Lauren, my daughter, was a senior in high school. I took her with me a lot on the road. And we were going to preach out in a church in California, a dear friend of mine. And as we walked in, Lauren was with me. I had a vision. I saw uh, a word of knowledge. I had a vision. I saw a man who looked just like Robert Redford. And uh, he had his hands around the pastor's throat upside down. And it was so weird looking like he thinks he's over the pastor. It was so strange. And I told Lauren, I said, no, there's a guy in the church. He looks just like Robert Redford, but he thinks he's over the pastor. Has his hands upside down uh, around the pastor's throat. The pastor came walking in the back room. And uh, I said, hey, how you doing, buddy? A good friend of mine. I said, there's a guy in your church. He looks just like Robert Redford and uh, said he has his hands around your throat just like that and that friend of mine said that's exactly right we're supposed to start another church out of our church and that man in my church told me I'm not going to let you start that church and that buddy of mine said look at my neck he undid the collar of his shirt he goes I have a rash on my neck because I'm under so much pressure because this guy's telling me he's not going to let me start this church Oh, man, that's weird. So we walked in from the side door right there to come in to preach, you know. As we walked in, I saw the guy. looked just like Robert Redford. I told Lauren, I said, look, there's the guy right there. I got up and started preaching. Thus saith the Lord, he who looks like Robert Redford. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> no. I started preaching about the plan and the purpose of God on that pastor's life is to build and to plant. It's an apostle's mentality. Don't try to shut it down. Jump in with it. You'll start building and planting yourself. You, it'll come on you like, i got to build something. Hallelujah. That comes from that pastor having that mentality. Well, you know what? They started that other church they were supposed to start. It's grown bigger than the mother church. See, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. So tasting could help start another church and free up somebody. 
Taste, and you know, how many of you have gone to the store and they give you a little taste of something? Or they give you a little taste of pizza? I don't want a taste. I want the whole pizza. Come on. It's almost annoying to have a taste. So we're tasting right now. You know what I'm saying? It's frustrating. Like, seriously? That's all I get? No. All right. I'll, I'll give you another one. Hang with me. I was at uh, Michael Calstrup's church. His son texts me today, uh, uh, Greg Kalstrup. Uh, this is what Michael says every time I preach there because his boys grew up in the church. I taught them how to do 180s in their cars with their handbrakes. But I taught them that on snow. Well, they took it and started doing it on dry pavement. So every time I preach there, he goes, Joe, uh, ruined my son's wheels. And I didn't ruin them. They, they did it on dry pavement. So anyway, so it's a real normal church, okay? <laughs> so one of the years I was going to preach there, and it was a morning service during a long camp meeting. We were doing this morning and night. And their church is out in the middle of a cornfield. I mean, it's a, it's a huge building, literally out in the middle of a cornfield. And people kind of get tunnel vision driving to the church and fall asleep and run into the building. So I'm thinking that on my way there. Don't fall asleep, run into the building. You're supposed to speak that morning, so that'd be kind of weird. Come crashing in the building. So I'm telling myself, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep. All of a sudden, I have a vision. Here comes a word of wisdom. I see that pastor, Michael Kalstrup, in his own airplane. It's like a Cessna 210 overwing plane. I see that. He's, he's flying in that plane, lands on a runway. He takes an outline out. A young pastor walked up. He said, I'm going to help you not make some of the same mistakes I may have made. Next thing you know, he takes off in that airplane, lands on another runway. I can see the cracks on the runway where the asphalt was repaired. Another young pastor walks up. He takes the exact same outline. He goes, I'm going to help you not make some of the same mistakes I may have made. Next thing you know, boom, I'm back in my car. Oh, thank God I didn't hit the building. So I knew what it was. I got up and preached a little bit. I said, Pastor Mike, I got something for you. I said, if it doesn't mean something to you, forget it. I could miss it by a mile. I said, but you'll have your own airplane. You'll use it like a car. You'll fly around and help these young pastors not make some of the same mistakes you may make. He said, he got up and said, what did I say last week from the platform? I'll have my own plane. I'll use it like a car. I'll go around and help these young pastors. I didn't even know that he'd been taking flying lessons. Rayma asked him to be a regional director. He took that plane. This is in Iowa. Went up into Minnesota. Went up in North Dakota. Used it like a car to help those young pastors not make some of the same mistakes that he may have made. That's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. So see, we, we're learning all this because we're not done I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you another one. I'll give you one more. Hang with me. Maybe two more. Three more. We'll see. It's, it's early. Real quick. Have, have you ever been to Yuma, Arizona? Have you ever been to Yuma? Well, thank God we're not in Yuma tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah. Years ago, I was on the road with this prophet, and he's a wild prophet, and... Uh, and I was on the road with him. I was doing the, 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 we worked the book table. I don't know where I am, so I don't know where the book table is. I'm so sorry. And this weird, wherever the book table is, I'd, I'd work the book table and uh, travel with him. And uh, it was a, a busy, busy couple of years. And so in Yuma, I'm there and um, the, my friend preached, you know, the prophet and did his message. So I went back to the book table. On my way back to the book table, I'm walking back there. I had a vision. I saw the pastor of that church. He's in a, in a, 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 a it's called a push-pull, a twin-engine airplane. You've got one engine going this way, the engine's going the other way. It's called a push-pull, and that plane is diving. I could see the pilot pulling back on the yoke like that, and papers were flying all up in that airplane. I mean, the plane was in a dive. It was terrible. And uh, so I saw what he looked like, and I saw what the deal was. I thought, oh, dear God. So I go back to the table there, and I'm thinking, man, i got to say something to the pastor because I know exactly what it was, the word of wisdom. We were going to Denny's to eat the Grand Slam. So I'm thinking, you know, when I get to Denny's while we're eating sausage and bacon and pancakes, I can tell him what I saw, you know. So I'm sitting there at Denny's. We get to Denny's and, and get there, and I'm thinking, i got to have a time to say this, you know. Right about then, the pastor said, wow, I'm going flying tomorrow. I thought, oh, God. He, go, he goes, I'm going to what's called a push-pull. I went, oh, my God. He started talking about going flying to push-pull, and I'm sitting there. Mm -hmm. 
So I said, you know, uh, uh, I said, Pastor, you know, because I'm traveling with this guy and I'm not really supposed to say anything or do anything. I have to keep my mouth shut. You know what I mean? So how do I say this? I go, listen, I don't want this to freak you out. But before we even came over here, I said, I saw you in a dive and a push pull. I said, I can tell you what your pilot looks like. He's bald head, got a little bit of blonde hair right there, gold, big rim glasses. And he was yanking on that yoke, trying to pull that plane out. And you, 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 the papers are flying everywhere. He goes, wow, that's my pilot. I said, don't be afraid. Just when you're going to go fly with him, check, get him all checked out. He went to the airport the next day. I flew back to Tulsa. He said the guy had lied and used fraud, that he had checkout rides and all these push-pulls, had never been in a push-pull. So see, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. So see, we... We have this season on the earth. Why, we, why is it such a, 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 a heavenly thought pattern? Come to church, come to church, come to church, come to church. It's not that God's a psycho. He's putting things in us so that we can walk with Him and function with Him before we go. And then during that thousand years, I know what He thinks like because I know His character through His Word. I, I don't know. I don't base on my feelings. Do I feel anointed right now? No, I don't feel anointed right now. But I know what the Bible says, that you're a fire from the loins up and a fire from the loins down. So He's so smart to invest that in all of us because we're not done. Yeah. i give you, give you one more. Turn back to Revelation. You got your Bibles there? Go back to Revelation real quick. Real quick. One more, one more. Here we go. 5, 5, 25, 35. Here we go. It's auction night at Faith Heights. Hallelujah. Go back to Revelation 20 and I'll give you this last one. I was... Uh, Living in California for a few years, traveling out of a church there. Moved there to basically help a friend of mine. Uh, but I was on the road all the time. But at least, at least my wife was there to support his wife. And, and uh, it, was, it was a fun time. In fact, he made me do the EDU. That's why I moved there probably. He announced we're going to have a weekly End Times update. And a lady leaned over and said, he's talking about you. He said, he better talk to me. I'm not doing some weekly update. Are you crazy? So every week I do a weekly update. So, <laughs> so that's probably why I moved there. But, you know, we were there and we came back to Tulsa for Winter Bible one year. And Colleen and I and Laura and our daughter were, were, went to a house after Winter Bible to my nephew's birthday party. And there was a circle drive like this as you come in. And as we came in the circle drive, I couldn't go any further because it was blocked. So I told Lauren and Colleen, I said, you guys go in that door right over there. So as I went, got the van going back, I looked back behind me to see where I could back up. But I didn't know that Colleen had stopped right here because she saw some kinfolks in the window and stopped and I didn't know it. I backed the van over on her leg and ran over her. Well, you talk about scream. You've never heard screams like that. I was like, oh, I knew exactly what I was. Oh, my God. I just ran over my wife, Colleen. I got out of the van, ran over there. Colleen's laying on the ground screaming bloody murder. My daughter's standing there, cats and dogs, kids come running up, and Colleen is screaming. She's in so much pain. I walked over to her. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command your ankle and your leg to be healed right now. I said, get up. She looked at me like, have you lost your mind? I mean, you know that look like, what? I said, get up right now. I grabbed her by the hand picked her up like that. The power of God went up and down her body. She goes, oh my God, this is real. We walked into the birthday party. My sister goes, how you doing, Joe? I went, meh, 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 meh. I couldn't even talk. I was like, meh, meh. I was doing the goat boy because I just ran over my wife. And I, I'm, I'm like, man, I'm freaking out, man. I, I, she, had, she had no pain. You know, this is how crazy it was. You know, I'm serious. My sister said that to me. I started kind of doing the chicken and the swan, you know. I flew to Daytona the next day to preach. Colleen flew back to California. She's walking the neighborhood, jogging. No, no pain that night, no pain the next day. And I ran over her and she was screaming. That's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. 
so we have so much to look forward to. Come on, you're going to be implementing this. You're, see, it's, we're frustrated now because it should be happening more. It's because it is going to happen more. That's your life right there, raising people up, helping Jesus. There's one thing to be saved by Him. It's another thing to be, you're, you're, you're His helper during that thousand years. Now look at this Revelation 20. This is the crazy part right here. You ready for crazy? Watch this. Revelation 20. Verse 7, Revelation 20, verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan will be loosed out of his prison. He'll go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and encompassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So the Lucifer is released at the end of the thousand years to gather up people that reject Jesus. How do you reject Jesus when you can see him? I mean, I, he's too bright. I don't, his, his hair is too long. What, what, what's going to be the deal breaker for people? I don't get it. Because everything about him is mercy, kindness, goodness, gra just grace. Everything about him. The good you see in any man is him. So all of a sudden to be exposed to that, how in the world could you reject that? But that, that's the future that's coming for us. So right then, that's the last rebellion. And then after that, you have the great white throne judgment. After that, the Lord's going to get a U-Haul and He's going to move the new Jerusalem down to earth. How many of you hate moving? You talk about a move. That's a move. I mean, I'm going to move my planet down to this planet. The earth's going to be renovated. It doesn't say it's destroyed. It's renovated. Just like you take an old car, you don't destroy it. You, you renovate it. You restore it. So he's going to restore the earth with fire, and then the new Jerusalem's going to come down, and the natural man will have the earth, and they'll go eat the fruit of the tree of life and live forever, just like Adam and Eve could have eaten of the tree of life and lived forever. So it'll go back completely full circle, but you'll always group, be a part of this group that's overseeing with him for all the natural people that will live for eternity. You'll be over them. Yikes. So God's invested so much in this group right here at the end of the church age. To not be moved by how we feel, not be moved by what we see, but to be moved by the Word. I'm steadfast, unmovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. So, so that's our mentality. That every person you come in contact with, you're not phased by COVID. You're not phased by SARS. You're not phased by anything. They're real, but it doesn't phase you. Come on, Elisha had done almost double of what Elijah did. And they, he, they, he had died. There was enough of the glory of God in his bones. They threw that army man in there and he's raised from the dead. And that's amazing. That's, that's absorption. He had it absorbed in his bones to where it raised somebody from the dead. You don't have absorption tonight. He's in you. So we're just blessed to be a part of this dispensation of the church age. That all of a sudden we're going to hear a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. And we're going to be caught up. We're going to be caught up with Him in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Then you'll go to the reward seat of Christ. He wants to bless you. It's not the judgment seat of Christ. It's the reward seat of Christ. So He's going to bless you. We'll go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You, you hear the Jewish people talk about what that is. That's a, a meal. Guess how long that meal is supposed to last? A year. You think you can eat a lot in a couple of days? How about, we're not leaving in a couple of days. We're going to eat for a year. <laughs> that's a radical, that's a, that's a radical supper. 
And then we go to horse flying school because we're going <laughs> to lean left trigger. We're going to fly back to the earth on horses. So I, I'm, I just believe God is going to be an easy download. You know, it'd be like, yeah. your horse is good. He's, he's done this before. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want the Lord going, hey, now your horse is kind of new at this. <laughs> I, I don't want the new horse. I want the horse that's like, I know right where to go. The, my GPS is plugged into his brain, and we're coming back to the planet. And you're going to see nature, creation, and the earth make uh, entrance for the king to come back to rule for a thousand years and then forever. He'll sit on the throne of his father David and of his kingdom there'll be no end. Wow. Wow. And to be right here where you're seeing nations be adjusted to get ready for that, we should be preaching to one another like wild Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. I said it this morning, people should tell us to break that pill in half. We should, be so, we should just be so giddy that people think, man, you're just way, way, way too happy. I'm about to see the king. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 